David, your host. This is episode four of the Eternal Medicine podcast miniseries. This show is made in association with the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network, or AMEN, an organization for all medical professionals that will support you in integrating your faith into your medical field practice. Membership benefits include a subscription to the Medical Evangelist, a journal about the spiritual aspects of medical work. You can visit www.amensda.org, A-M-E-N-S-D-A dot to join and find more resources. In this week's episode, I will be talking with Tress Kihugu, who is a mental health counselor, about how to respond to a patient who believes God is punishing them. I hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, I'm sitting here with Tress, uh, a friend I met a few years ago on a mission trip. And uh, Tress, if you'll just start by introducing yourself and give us a little bit of a background on your experience, that'd be awesome. Okay, great. Um, so... As you said, my name is Tress. Well, my name is Tress Anique, but most people just call me Tress because it's easier. Um, and so I am a clinical mental health therapist. I work in a community mental health setting at a company called Centerstone. Um, and I have a master's degree in professional counseling. And I um, graduated in December of 2016, and I've been working in the field since March of 2017, so a little over four years now, I've been practicing um, mental health counseling. So um, that's just a little bit of the background. Excellent. And uh, I'm sure that you've probably had some experiences and learning through that time, you know, regarding meeting um the spiritual aspect of your patients. And so that's the big topic that I want to talk about with you today. Okay. Uh, so my first question to you is, how important do you believe the spiritual dimension is to the human experience and also to good mental health? So it's kind of a two-part question there. Um, it's definitely very important, um, especially... Just me being spiritual myself is, I feel like you can't really exclude it, um, from the person because everybody has a spirit, you know, um, and it plays a role in, in the medical, the mental, um, you know, just all of the different parts that make up a person. You can't really exclude it. And so I definitely think that it, it really is. And a very important aspect, especially for good mental health as well, um, especially for people who are either religious or the spiritual people in themselves. If they have a break in their spirituality, um, they really struggle with that. And so okay. it's good to be able to, um, you know, kind of pinpoint that in people so that you can kind of help them to get back to a place of wholeness spiritually. Okay. So, I believe that you're a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, correct? Correct. And so that, your own faith probably informs your 
your practice to some degree um, and your understanding of the human being as a whole. Um, So I want to ask, how important does the mainstream counseling profession believe the spiritual dimension is? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? And, And do you feel that, you know, the way you view the person is that in line with the rest of mainstream, often secular counseling field? Um, I would definitely say that my views are different than mainstream um, because when you think about mainstream counseling, um, you don't think about spirituality or you don't think about like spiritual counseling. And so, um, just mainstream counseling just solely focuses on mental health um, and emotional well-being of people. And so it's all about diagnosis and treatment, um, and, and that's just solely the, the main focus on for mainstream. Um, we're actually taught in school not to bring a lot of our own personal beliefs or spirituality into counseling. Sure. Um, Unless it's brought up by the client, we can go there with them. Okay. But if it's not brought up by them, like we are not allowed to like kind of push it on them or um, introduce it into the conversation. It's just kind of it has to come from the client before we can even touch touch that. Sure. Um, so me personally, um, the way I deal with that, I, I definitely, you know, I abide by the ethical principles of, you know, not pushing it on them, not bringing my beliefs into um, the sessions. But you kind of can't separate your beliefs from your practice when you are such a spiritual person. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely take my beliefs um, and I just use that. And how I treat my clients, you know, um, as far as like, you know, basic biblical principles of uh, treat others how you want to be treated, you know, Um, that that's something that's how I treat my clients. I I don't treat them as if they are lower than me or um, as if they don't deserve the same respect or anything as me. I, I treat them all equally. I treat them as if they're all individuals. I never treat one I never treat any two people the same way. Okay. Um, everybody is definitely an individual when they walk into my office and I just try to meet them at their point of need. Um, and so, you know, just like kind of how Jesus does, you know, when, when he came and he was ministering, he met people at their point of need. He didn't always go to the spiritual aspect first. He had to meet oh. their physical needs first and then he could feed them spiritually, you know, and so that's, kind of how I try to use um, those same type of principles in my practice. Okay, excellent. I like what you said there about about respect. Like it, it really comes down to, you know, you're, as a medical professional, you're there to, to meet that person's needs and not push your own agenda. And mm-hmm. so there's a level of just basic respect for that person and their own life experience and where they're at. Yeah. Um, Back to mainstream counseling for just a minute. Do you see much research being done on the area of spirituality or the spiritual dimension of the human experience? 
Well, there is actually um, spiritual counseling and or Christian counseling. Okay. Um, that's an actual specialty, like a practice that you can go into um, oh, wow. in professional counseling. So there is a whole field uh, of that research and of all of that type of counseling. And so if you are a Christian or a spiritual person and you would like to have um that specific type of counseling, you can look up a professional or a provider who um, focuses on that or who has a specialty track in in that type of counseling. And they are definitely around and available. It's just a a, a rare. Not, let me not say rare. It's it's just one of the the diverse parts of counseling. Um, okay. Because you have just very different areas of counseling and that's just one of them so yeah, yeah there's definitely research about it that's good to know that that resource is out there though Mm-hmm. all right well my next question would be a little bit broader uh mm-hmm. what considerations should medical professionals in general make when seeking to meet the spiritual needs of their patients or clients Oh, now, see, that's a tricky question because <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends on the field or, or uh, I guess, the setting that you're in. Okay. So if you're in, like, a spiritual setting, then it's easier, um, like medical missionaries or something. Like, they, you yeah. know, they could probably more meet the spiritual needs of their clients easier than just a mainstream professional. And so it's it's kind of tricky because not all clients are spiritual. Yeah. Um, or not all clients want to discuss spiritual or religious matters for when, when they're coming in for different things. And so you, like I said, you just kind of have to find out where their, where their needs are. Um, and some of them are willing and open to receiving it. And some of them are completely closed off to it because they have, um, maybe religious trauma, um, church trauma from growing up in the church and being abused and, you know, things like that. Um, so a lot of people are completely shut off to it. And so for those people, there's not much that you can do um, until they are open to doing it. But if there's a client who has made it like very clear and evident, like I have a client who's very um, holistic. Um, she doesn't want to take psychiatric medicine. She doesn't. Um, like going to the doctor a lot because they like to push medicines on her for various things. And so she, she has made that very clear. I'm a, I'm a holistic person. This is what I do. This is what I don't do. And this is how I want to be treated. Um, and so for a client like that, it's very easy to be like, okay, well, if this is where you're at, then these are the suggestions that I have for you based off of what you're telling me. So there was a time where I like recommended um, she do some spiritual journaling okay. um, um, to kind of help with her anxiety. She doesn't want to take medicine for the anxiety symptoms. So I'm like, well, okay, well, let's do some spiritual journaling. Let's, let's do some regular devotions and check-ins and things like that. So you can kind of just see where you're at spiritually and how, how the anxiety is affecting you. Um, how was it affecting your faith and your spirituality and, you know, things like that. And so where if a client is very open about it, then you can go there with them. But in mainstream mental health or medical professions, they usually try not to touch it. Like you might yeah. have like a, a, let's say like a Catholic-based hospital or a Methodist hospital or something like that, where they might have Bibles in the rooms or the waiting areas or something like that. And they might have the the chaplain or the priest or whoever, you know, 
pray over people and, you know, do things like that. Yeah. Um, and that that's definitely OK, because is acceptable in those settings. Yeah. But if it's a non-religious, usually a non-for-profit um, sector, you know, yeah. um, it's harder to insert the, those spiritual um, practice, practices in there. Sure. And so you just kind of have to just kind of be creative if if the client or the patient is willing and open to, to doing so, you know. Yeah, I, I it sounds like it just really comes back to what you said earlier about, you know, just respecting each client and where they're at, because like you said, you never know their background or their history or, you know, what they've been through. And mm-hmm. and I like the tool you brought up of spiritual journaling, because I, I work in a secular um, for profit hospital. But okay. there are Bibles, um, you know, the classic Gideon Bibles that you see in every room. And I occasionally have patients ask for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also, you know, I'm a therapist and so I get to spend a lot of time with patients. And so mm-hmm. I've, um, recommended to a few of my patients, not, not a majority, but occasionally to do some journaling. And mm-hmm. I think especially spiritual journaling would be something that I could recommend to some of my patients from time to time. So I like that yeah, idea. Definitely. And I was also that same client. I was able to like print off some um, journal, spiritual journaling prompts oh, wow. um, offline to kind of help. Like if she gets stuck here, you can start off with these and they have little prompts and just asking her um, and she really enjoyed it. And so. You know, like I said, you just have to get creative yeah. sometimes to just kind of help those people who are willing okay. and open to it. Excellent. All right. So my next question does um, regard patients who are dealing with a lot of anxiety and or depression. Uh, so this is my question. If a patient is depressed or down and feels God is punishing them or angry at them, what can I do or say? Um, I had a client just a few weeks ago who said, you know, only a couple minutes after I walked in the room, I think God is punishing me and that's why I'm here in the hospital. I guess it's hard for me because my first instinct would be to just pull out a Bible and be like, you know, here's this verse, here's that verse. But that, mm-hmm. you know, may not really be that helpful. Mm-hmm. So what tools or or words could I share that mm-hmm. would be more appropriate? Well, when okay, now when it comes to something like like that, where they they feel like their God is punishing them, that says a lot about um, their perspective of God. Um, and so before I would even go to a Bible verse, I would examine, um, how do they view God? You know, like what type of God do you serve? What type of God have you been taught about growing up? Like, do you believe that we serve a God who is out to punish us? Do you think that we, um, serve a God that is like unforgiving and, you know, whatever? And, and so it's really about examining 
their beliefs, examining their relationship with God um, and saying, OK, well, why why do you think God is punishing you? Like, where did you get that from? Where, where does that stem from? Um, so I would dig a little bit deeper okay. before even going um, to a Bible verse, because it's easy to pull up a Bible verse and say, well, no, actually, God is not punishing you. But if they have a faulty um, underlying belief about who God is and what he stands for in and what their purpose and their calling in life is and, you know, all of this and why they are struggling, um, then it's not going to help to go to that Bible verse if they still have that faulty belief. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make a lot of sense. And I think that's a great answer. Exploring where they're coming from a little bit more would help me provide a little bit more helpful answer. Yeah. And see, okay, because you mentioned that we, we met on the, when we went to the trip to the mission trip to Cuba. And one thing that was in our sermons that we were preaching was talking about God's character. Yeah. Um, and that helped me personally a lot to understand my own personal understanding and relationship with God, but to also help explain God better to other people. Um, and to not think that he's just like this mean, evil God who's ready to just strike us down with a bowl of thunder at any moment, you know? Um, and so that, that really helped me to understand his character. And so that's how I, when I realized I had some faulty beliefs about God's character before um, going on this mission trip and doing the sermons, then that helped me to say, well, other people are probably struggling uh, with who God is, too, and, and what he what his character is like. And so when I think about people thinking that, oh, I serve this angry God who every time he's mad at me, he's going to punish me. Every time I sin or I mess up, then I, I, you know, that's just it for me. And God is going to get tired of me sinning. And, you know, like if we think that, then of course we're going to lose hope or we're going to lose faith. And so if you can explore that deeper and then help them to understand, well, let's actually look at some examples in the Bible where people actually did things that could have really triggered God's wrath. And how did he, how did he respond, you know, in those situations? And, and so that would even be, um, probably a different direction and just saying no God's not mad at you you know like let's just go and see how he treated other people and then like do you think he, he's treating you differently than how he treated these people in the Bible you know yeah um, so that's just probably where I would go first is I would explore that a little bit deeper because usually it's, it's a lot deeper than face value um, that's when true. they say something like that absolutely you know? there's a whole lot of history probably going on there and it's probably going to take a fair amount of work to address those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I guess for me, like, you know, I often don't have a lot of time with my patients, um, mm -hmm. or my clients. So is there, you know, a few words or some, or something that I could use, you know, in the space of five minutes? to just try and turn their their understanding of God in a different direction? Oh, five minutes is a really short time. <laughs> it is, you know, and I, I realize that, you know, I'm not a counselor and I'm not a pastor, and so I'm not probably going to 
you know, be the one to sit down with them and really explore and have deep Bible studies and unless, you know, they want me to come back off the clock or something. Yeah. But, you know, like, is there some way that I can, you know, at least alleviate their, their mental anguish a little bit in the space of a five or ten minute conversation? Okay, so are you, are these clients, do you see them repeatedly or is it usually like you get one or maybe two times to see them and then that's it? Like how, how frequently do you get to see them? Usually the latter. Usually I see them once or twice, maybe three times. And so it's not a lot of time. Okay. Well, if you don't have a lot of time, then you can't do like deep you know, Bible studies with them and things like that. So in that case, a a referral or probably just be nice, you know, like I can tell that you're really struggling um, with this topic or this area. And so I know this person who could really help you explore that a little bit deeper and you can refer out or maybe internally um, to someone in your practice that or your hospital that has um, the skill set and the time to be able to explore that with them um so probably a referral for if if you have or short term but for um people who may have like a little bit of a longer time to meet with clients um i would say just explore as much as you can and just kind of leave the rest up to the holy spirit to kind of do the work because you might just be planting a seed um and then when they get out of the hospital then god may be introduce them to someone else and they might it might trigger them like oh yeah the person that i talked to in the hospital brought this up to me like maybe i should consider this you know um so just i will provide them resources i'll provide them with referrals um and just do what you can do in that small amount of time and and just kind of pray over it let the holy spirit do the rest of the work because you're not going to always be able to see a complete change in just a few minutes right you know absolutely and so you just have to kind of just let the holy spirit take over from there yeah that was really great advice uh i appreciate that uh another thought that comes to mind especially from you know growing up in the church and we often learn a lot about uh evangelism techniques one common practice is literature evangelism. So do you think that leaving a tract or a booklet maybe on a topic of is God punishing me with a patient that's dealing with depression, would that be helpful, hurtful, or wasteful even of the material? Um um, if you only have a short time with them, I, I would think that's appropriate. Um, given that you don't have a lot of time to necessarily explore it. So you can always be like, I would really love to explore this with you, but with our limited amount of time, I'm just going to give you this. Just read over it, look over it when you have some time later. Um, and just, if you know, if I catch you again tomorrow or whatever, then we can discuss it a little bit more. But if you have more time, then like I said earlier, you can just explore things a little bit more with them. But if you only have a limited amount of contact with them, I definitely don't see a problem with handing them a track that may be related specifically related to what they are having some concerns with i don't think that that's inappropriate at all okay excellent 
I've gone back and forth about that on in my own um, career because I guess there's just there can be a stigma around, especially tracks, you know, relating to, you know, am I trying to convert this person, even though that's not my intent, someone else might receive it that way. And I guess it it does kind of lack the the human element, the personal touch of having a conversation with someone, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I think that there are some really good materials out there. So maybe if I'm selective in what materials that I consider leaving with people, then mm-hmm. it, that would be more appropriate. Yeah. Especially if you're finding like a common theme or pattern amongst the patients um, about a certain topic, like you can always, find something either that's already pre-printed or create something yourself to be like, you know, I've just been noticing that this is a theme um, amongst a lot of people that I've been talking to. And so this is something I actually personally created myself to answer some of these um, like frequently asked questions or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought of doing that, but I, I like that idea. That would be more personal and less, less, uh, um, like impersonal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next question is, would it be good to inform a patient who is expressing, you know, spiritual distress of the availability of psychiatric services at my facility, whether they're, you know, just expressing feelings of depression or spiritual distress? Well, spiritual things have to be spiritually handled, um, and non-spiritual things have to be (laughs) non-spiritually handled. So if it's a spiritual concern, I would direct them to a spiritual professional, like a chaplain or pastor or someone, you know, um, because that's a spiritual matter that probably a mainstream mental health professional or a medical professional doesn't have the, the skill set to deal with. Yeah. Um, and so, but if it's a non, uh, it, I mean, it probably, spirituality probably does play a role yeah. in everything. Like I said, you can't really exclude it, but if it's more, the more prominent symptoms are, um, like physical things or mental health things that can be directly addressed by a mental health or a medical professional, then I would direct them there and, and then direct them to a spiritual pro- professional later. Okay. Um, so I, that's how I like to, to look at them. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Many people have a preconceived ideas and a stigma surrounding psychiatric services or Mm -hmm. counseling or things like that. So how can I inform them about these resources and offer them a referral in a way that's constructive? I would ask them, how do they feel about it already? Just so you already know where they're at. Um, What do they think about it? Because it, even though it's becoming more popular um, and there's more like mental health awareness months and, you know, um, just different like suicide prevention month and different like um, hashtags and things going around to kind of bring more awareness to the field of mental health. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of people still do hold those stigmas very true and dear or they're just afraid um to just open up to someone just out of fear of not knowing how it's going to be received um and so i would just ask them um where do you stand like how do you feel about um talking to a mental health professional how do you feel about talking to a therapist or a psychiatrist about some of these concerns that you're going to and just getting an idea some people will say absolutely not never in my life will i do it and you can ask i'm just curious why why do you feel that way or some people will be like well i've tried it before it didn't really work out for me or i didn't have the best experience or i've tried it and it worked out um i just haven't been back in a while i probably should go back you know so you you just never know what type of response that you'll get from people and so without assuming that we know what stigma stigmas or experience they may have with mental health just go ahead and ask them um how they feel about it okay excellent i can do that yeah so my last question for you is what steps um can mental health workers in particular like counselors psychologists psychiatrists or even mental health nurses take to better meet the spiritual needs of their patients or clients well, first off, the the professional themselves would have to have a spiritual um, connection themselves mm-hmm. because it's hard to identify the spiritual needs of a person when you don't have like that spiritual relationship yourself with God, or if you not if you're not very um, connected spiritually yourself, then you you can't pick it up a lot of times, um, and so the actual person that's working with the patients or the clients, they have to be aware. They have to be spiritually aware um, within themselves, and then they can be able to pinpoint it within other people that they're working with. Because I can pick up on spiritual things like it's nobody's business, like when I'm working with my my clients. Like I can tell, and, and I don't always, most of the time I don't say it to my clients that I'm I'm picking up on it. I just and that's just something I just keep in the back of my head as I'm working with them. Mm. Um, but I can tell them like, oh, this is this is related to sin, um, you know, or this yeah. is related to um, trauma, um, and this is how it's affecting them spiritually. Like, you, I can I can see almost like the spiritual warfare that's going on wow. in them. Um, but that's because I'm spiritually aware, and I always look at things in a spiritual nature. Yeah. I don't always talk about it to my clients and say this is what's going on with you you need prayer like you know (laughs) i don't always say that um but i i can pick up on it and then i just make adjustments um and how i'm working with them just based off of that and i always look forward to the moment when they do bring up spiritual things or religious things because then I can just go and let almost, not let it all out on them because I don't want to overwhelm them, but then I can just <laughs> run with it. And I'm just like, absolutely. I agree. I, I can see how this is a problem and, you know, how, you know, and we can, we can go from there. And so I guess to the short answer to it is just to be spiritually aware um, yourself to make sure that you have your relationship right with God, because even if that's not your, um, primary focus in your field um the enemy is still after you when he sees that you're trying to connect to people and help them spiritually yeah and so he will attack you 
as well. And he would try to damage your spirituality and your faith and your relationship with God so that you are not so connected in order to be able to work with your patients and your clients in the way that you need to work with them to help them to discern those spiritual things, you know. And so... You have to be spiritually aware and know what's going on, and then that way you can better help others. Yeah, that's great advice, and I think it, that would apply to anyone in in the medical field. Absolutely. And one other thing that someone could possibly do that just came to mind from our earlier conversation is maybe trying to ensure that they have resources available to give patients like we were talking about you know some facilities don't have bibles well i guess if you work in a facility like that you could take it upon yourself to try and get some copies that you could give to patients if they wanted one mm-hmm. yeah i keep a uh well i used to have a desk full of resources like um really whether it be like flyers or worksheets or whatever that I can go through with my client in my desk at my office um, in the clinic when I was still working in the clinic. But now that I'm working from home, it's a little bit different. I'll, I'll have to like email them out uh, resources or things like that. Yeah. But if you have any resources to give them, whether that's a support group or um just a, a contact person or whoever that they can reach out to, then definitely give them all the resources that you can because you never know when they're going to just be looking through papers and finding and, and just, you know, take advantage of it. And so I say any resources that you can give, definitely give them. And also just remember that the spiritual need may not always be the first need. So if they need resources for like food, um, cause a lot of my patients in community mental health, we deal with a lot of low income, um, clients. And so our clientele, we have a lot of homelessness. Um, we have a lot of people in poverty. We have a lot of people in government aid, like, you know, and so a lot of their problems stem from their financial backgrounds and situations that they're currently in. So we give them a lot of resources. We know when there's going to be food giveaways and okay. food banks and, you know, different things like that. And so we have to meet those needs because we can't deal with the mental health side of things until those basic needs are met because how can they focus on, um, um, depression and anxiety and bipolar and all of that when they are hungry. Absolutely. You know? And so we we definitely give out as many resources to to try to meet all of the parts of them that's that they're dealing with. Great advice. Well, I think you thoroughly answered all my questions. Uh, I appreciate you taking this time to talk with me, Tress. And uh, any last thoughts you'd like to share? No, I think that's all. It's definitely been a pleasure um, to talk about this because I don't really get an opportunity um, to talk about how I get to use my spiritual um, side of me in my work, in my practice. And so, but I do, and it is a part of who I am. And so it's really good to have this platform to where I can talk about how I'm able to incorporate my spiritual beliefs and principles in my daily work with my clients. So thank you for um, asking me to do this and for having me. Thank you. Hey, it's David again. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please share it with someone who might also enjoy it. Check out the resources in the show notes. Next episode, I will sit down and talk with a couple doctors. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep serving, keep healing, keep praying.